This is the mop-up for September 29th. 2023. The Daily Beast reports that just when you thought Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas couldn't get any more corrupt, turns out he can. Clarence Thomas wrote a best-selling book, My Grandfather's Son, back in 2007. One of the reasons it's a bestseller is because his good friend, billionaire Leonard Leo, made sure to buy up as many copies of the book as he could. Thomas received a $1.5 million advance on that book, and it has been a consistent bestseller for nearly 15 years. And yet, according to Clarence Thomas, according to his most recent financial filings, he hasn't made a penny. For the past 15 years, he hasn't received any royalties from the book, or at least according to the Daily Beast, he hasn't reported any. You know, for someone who's so opposed to Hollywood values, Clarence and Ginny Thomas have no problem with that town's accounting techniques. He should get a job in Hollywood. He should step down from the Supreme Court and go be a Hollywood accountant. Now, some of you might remember that one of Clarence Thomas's first job in government was to head the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC. That's where he was supposed to make sure no women or no women or people of color were being discriminated against. But since he was a Reagan appointee, instead Clarence served his president and his party by discriminating against women and people of color specifically Anita Hill. And apparently there were others, but chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Joe Biden, wasn't interested in hearing from them during Thomas's confirmation. We all knew Clarence Thomas was lying about Anita Hill and his financial dealings as a Supreme Court justice continue to reveal what a disconnect this man has from integrity. Jesus, the man's wife helped organize the January 6th insurrection. Anyway, Joe Biden is president, which means it's a different EEOC. And on Thursday, it announced, the EEOC announced it was suing Elon Musk's Tesla for discriminating against black employees in its Northern California Fremont manufacturing plant. According to the complaint, and this is a complaint fired filed by our government against Tesla, against Elon Musk. According to the government complaint, Elon Musk created a culture that was unsafe for black employees who were subjected to racial epithets, including the N-word constantly, nooses on desks, swastikas, and statements like kill all black people. You know, the freedom of speech we've all come to love on Elon's newly refurbished Twitter. Black employees at the Tesla plant say the attacks were too frequent to count. The suit maintains that the employees were retaliated against by their immediate superiors whenever they leveled a formal complaint. The state of California is also suing Elon Musk's Tesla, for the same reasons. Earlier this year, a federal jury ordered Tesla to pay a black employee more than $3 million in damages for the emotional pain 
the racist work environment Musk created inflicted on him. Non-union car, Tesla, and there's a reason he moved everything out of California to Texas. You cannot overstate the legal peril that Donald Trump finds himself in heading towards January's Iowa caucuses. His lawyers are failing him every step of the way because he's indefensible. Earlier this week, they filed a motion for the judge in his Washington, D.C. 2020 election interference case. They filed a motion for her to recuse herself. Trump's lawyers claimed that Judge Tanya Chutkin revealed prejudice against their client while she was handing out what they considered excessive sentences to January 6th defendants in her courtroom. They also alleged that in, a, in addressing the defendants, she called for the arrest of Donald Trump. While hearing this motion to recuse herself, Judge Chutkin asked Trump's lawyers for evidence of her ever making those statements, and they promised to produce them, but they failed. So she announced this week that no, she's not recusing herself. On Thursday, what did, what did Rudy always say? Uh, we have theories. We don't have evidence. We have theories. On Thursday, Trump's attorneys seemed more contrite when they went before her and beseeched the judge to give them two extra months before starting the trial. Pre-trial motions begin October 9th. It's a little more than a week from now. And Trump's lawyers asked if they could have until December to go through the mountains of evidence. Basically, they're saying, Judge, there's so much evidence against our client. We need years to comb through it. The attorneys had requested a later start date last month, and that was rejected by Judge Chutkin, who reminded them sharply, you've had more than a year to prepare for this trial. So it doesn't look like they're going to get the delay. They're not getting any of the delays that they've been asking in all the trials. This is what Trump's judge said to the uh, this is what Trump's attorney said to Judge Chutkin on Thursday, defense counsel must research and address issues of extreme constitutional import that require careful analysis and briefing. Despite due diligence, counsel requires additional time to address these complex and novel legal questions and to ensure that they are properly placed before the court. Signed, Epstein's mother. Uh, there are <laughs> there are reports that despite raising hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars through his Save America Super PAC, ostensibly to pay his legal fees, the Super PAC is almost broke. And Trump, who has a liquidity problem, uh, a liquidity problem that's getting a lot worse. He's either reportedly falling behind on payments to all his lawyers or is starting to hint that he may not be able to pay them what he promised. And we know how loyal lawyers are, right? They're going to just work their ass off 
for a client who's not only destroying their reputation, but not going to pay them. So that might explain why Trump's lawyers in the Georgia racketeering trial, can you keep track of all these these cases? You know, Steve Bannon talks about flooding the zone. Well, looks like our justice system is flooding Trump's zone with all these civil lawsuits and criminal lawsuits. So Trump's lawyers, it looks like Trump, like Rudy, is running out of money. I'll talk about Trump's money in a little while. Trump lawyers in the Georgia racketeering trial have backed away from an evidentiary hearing to move that RICO prosecution into a federal courtroom where Trump would be able to draw from a jury pool that extends past Fulton County, Georgia, and into redder areas of the state, white. That's why he wants to get into a federal courtroom. But he's not going to do it. They backed out. They backed out. They're not, they're going to they're going to go before the Fulton County jury. Now, earlier this month, Trump's chief of staff and co-defendant Mark Meadows filed a motion in Georgia to sever his case from the other 18 co-defendants and bump it up into a federal courtroom. But that was soundly rejected and it was humiliating. Trump's lawyers were there and they could audibly they were they they audibly whispered, this is not good. I'm not making that up. They audibly whispered, this is not going well. Meadows testified in that hearing, incriminated himself and kind of flipped on Trump. He kind of said he was taking orders from Trump and Trump's lawyers in the racketeering case backed out of bumping the trial up to a federal courtroom after watching what Mark Meadows went through. They realized that the judge would probably want Trump to take the stand, just like Mark Meadows. And you cannot have Donald Trump take the stand. He will incriminate himself. Have you watched the deposition that the state attorney general of New York, Letitia James, conducted on this fraud case? Anything that comes out of his mouth, just they're going to tack on 10 extra years to his sentence. So there's no way Trump is going to testify in the Georgia racketeering trial, which is too bad because it's going to be televised. And it'll give me something to look forward. Well, they can't, they cannot let him testify because they have him dead to rights. For example, this is the January 2nd, 2021 call that Donald Trump made to the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, where you've all heard it. He tries to bully Brad Raffensperger into stealing the election away from Joe Biden. Now, Trump insists it's a perfect call, like the one he made to Zelensky. Yeah, it's a perfect call for finding him guilty. Take a listen. You've heard it before, but listen again. So, look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have, because we won the state. Okay, so that is beyond a smoking gun. That is election interference. It's undeniable. And 
Trump has repeatedly maintained that he did nothing wrong making that call. Like I said, he calls it perfect. And he lies repeatedly on the campaign trail saying that Brad Raffensperger, the Georgia Secretary of State, saw nothing wrong with it. And that runs completely contrary to everything Brad Raffensperger told the January 6th committee, as well as the Fulton County Grand Jury. Okay, Rolling Stone reports on Thursday that Donald Trump has ordered his lawyers down in Georgia to somehow find a way to prevent the jury in his racketeering case from ever hearing that tape. Well, first off, who everybody's heard it. Even deaf people have heard it. Trump is reportedly ordering his attorneys to develop a legal theory as to why that tape is inadmissible in a court of law, right? He's been saying, according to Rolling Stone, find a reason to keep that tape, that phone call, out of the trial. I guess he's thinking it might have something to do with it being illegal to tape a phone call. But according to Atlanta Magazine, Georgia has what is called single-party consent law, when it comes to recording a conversation. In other words, one person on a call is, as long as one person on the call consents to it being recorded, it's good to go and it holds up in a court of law. So the person uh, recording the call, (laughs) as long as you consent to recording your own phone call, it's admissible in a court of law. However, However, uh, Atlanta Magazine knows more than I do. But I was looking up the statutes in Georgia, and I just have to say, my read, you know, I don't know anything. I read differently that, that you cannot, that, that, they, that they don't have single party consent in Georgia. And I didn't have enough time. But uh, if anybody knows, leave a comment and let me know. Uh, I'm going to assume Atlanta Magazine got it right, okay? Uh, So let's go with Atlanta Magazine. But the point is Trump is trying to suppress that phone call, which is the smoking gun. And his lawyers, according to Rolling Stone Magazine, are advising Trump that, yes, they'll try to come up with a legal theory to keep it out of the trial, but we should work harder at coming up with a reason to play it to prove, like you said, Mr. Trump, that it was a perfect call. But Trump is angry at his lawyers. He wants them to suppress it, which means that behind closed doors, Donald Trump knows he's in trouble. Donald Trump knows he's in trouble. Georgia State Senator Colton Moron is a huge... Oh, I'm sorry. Is that... Yeah, Colton Moron. I thought I misread that. Uh, Georgia State Senator uh, Colton Imbecile is a huge defender of Donald Trump. And he wants the Fulton County District Attorney, Fonnie Willis, impeached. This is Colton Moron uh, talking to Steve Bannon last month saying this trial 
in Georgia cannot happen. He says he's worried about his constituents. He doesn't know how they will react to seeing his beloved former president, Donald Trump, going on trial. Do you want a civil war? I don't want a civil war. I don't want to have to draw my rifle. Wow, that is a scary looking young man, isn't it? That is just that is that is the face you do not want to see driving down a back road in Georgia and getting pulled over by him. That is not a that is not a happy man and he's under the age of 30. So on Thursday, some good news. Georgia Republicans in the state Senate kicked Colton Moron out of their caucus. Now, he can still call himself a Republican, but as far as the Georgia Senate is concerned, Colton Moron is not one of them. In an official statement from the Republican Senate caucus, they said, quote, during his advocacy for his ill-conceived proposal to impeach the Fulton County District Attorney, Senator Moore, oh, it's Moore, Maybe uh, that, that must be a mistake. It's it's moron. Senator Moore has knowingly misled people across Georgia and our nation, causing unnecessary tension and hostility while putting his caucus colleagues and their families at risk of personal harm. There is this undercurrent of violence that just doesn't include what we saw on January 6th. Judges, attorneys, juries are being doxxed and threatened and have to go into hiding. This is a mobster. Donald Trump and anyone who follows him is part of this racket. Okay? So, Trump's criminal trial in D.C., do I have to review where all these try, I mean, it's unbelievable. His dance card is full for the year. Trump's criminal trial in D.C. starts the week after next, right? That's Judge Chutkin, who had to beef up security. That's special counsel Jack Smith's indictment accusing Donald Trump of election interference in January 6th. His 200, Trump has the $250 million civil trial accusing him of defrauding banks and insurers filed by the New York State Attorney General Letitia James. Now, that starts next week, but he already lost. That's how bad he's doing. As we've been reporting all week on Tuesday, the judge in that case said he went over the Trump organization's books and the judge ruled from the bench that Donald, Don Jr., Eric are demonstrably guilty of defrauding lenders by inflating the value of their worthless properties. The judge, I've already told you this, but I just love... I love saying this. The judge pointed out that in one loan application, Donald Trump inflated the value of Trump Tower by 2,500%. Next, you're going to tell me he lies about his weight and his height. And this is, the trial hasn't started yet. Starts next week. 
It's not televised, though. The judge ordered all of Trump's New York State shell companies to be dissolved. But the trial hasn't started yet. That was the pretrial ruling. And there are other counts of fraud Trump's been charged with that now must be adjudicated. And there's no jury here. Okay, it's summary judgment. It's just a judge. Now, Trump, of course, is suing the judge. (laughs) Sue everybody. Remember uh, the jerky boys? Uh, Trump is suing the judge, saying that the judge lacks jurisdiction to preside over the case. Trump's lawyers are also saying the case has no merit because nobody was harmed. Really? What about the bankers? He filed a motion to delay the trial with an appeals court, which came down with a ruling on Thursday that said, stop, just stop. Whatever you just stop it. You're going to trial next week. And that means Eric and Don Jr. will be forced to testify. Letitia James, the state attorney general of New York, announced that she's going to put Trump on the stand. She's going to put Eric and Don Jr. on the stand and about 30 other witnesses. Now, they'll probably plead the fifth, but they'll be forced to testify, and we can dig up all the clips of Donald Trump saying only guilty people take the fifth. Like I said, unfortunately, this will not be televised. Ivanka will also be forced to testify. Now, initially, she had been named in this lawsuit, but she asked to be tried separately from her brothers because she has money. She's married to Jared. So she got herself a pretty good lawyer who knew he was going to get paid or she was going to get paid. And this lawyer did a pretty good job convincing the judge in this case that that Ivanka played no role in the Trump organization's attempts to get loans or to get insurance policies. She had nothing to do with the, the fraud that was committed, allegedly. Although they were found guilty this week of defrauding banks, insurers. So I guess I could state with confidence that they're guilty of fraud. But Ivanka, she dodged this. She wasn't filling out the applications for these loans. So one of the lies Trump told to the banks was that his Mar-a-Lago club was worth nearly half a billion dollars, which means he borrowed against it. This this is, I'll talk about this later, because this stuff, none of us understand this, but he was taking out loans and inflating the value of his property because he needed money. He need, Why does he need all this money? Well, we'll get to that in a second. So he, when he was filling out an application, like imagine you're buying a car and you, you need an auto loan and you say, well, what do you have as collateral? The car costs $45,000. And you say, this pen, this pen is worth half a million dollars. So if I can't pay back the car loan, 
you get this pen and it's worth half a million dollars. That's basically what he was saying. I need a loan. I need a couple of hundred million dollars. I'll put Mar-a-Lago up as collateral. It's worth half a billion dollars. So he borrowed against Mar-a-Lago. He, so he doesn't own it. The bank owns it, right? Now, in the ruling earlier this week, the judge in the fraud case said a half a billion dollar valuation for Mar-a-Lago is fantasy land, demonstrably false, because Mar-a-Lago is in a part of Palm Beach, Palm Beach or Palm Springs, Palm Beach, uh, where there are so many restrictions on different types of property it could never be turned into commercial real estate. Mar-a-Lago is a social club. It's not a private residence. And because it's a social club and a restaurant and a business, it's been living off tax benefits ever since Trump bought it. In the deposition, Trump was asked, what is, what is Mar-a-Lago worth? And he said, half a billion. And Letitia James, the state attorney general, said, where'd you get the number? You know, brokers, people say it's worth, you know, friends of mine, they tell me what it's worth. It's about half a billion. So it's, it's the Mona Lisa of properties, he said. Uh, well, Eric Trump took to Twitter after this ruling. And this is how stupid the family is. Eric Trump took to Twitter after the ruling, and said, no, Mar-a-Lago is easily worth $1 billion. Right? It's good, you know, to keep, keep telling the lie, but that's going to cause a problem with the Palm Beach tax assessor. If you insist it's worth a billion dollars, then they're going to raise your property taxes, Eric. So... Stupid, 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 stupid. But this is what the case is all about. This is precisely what Letitia James in the state of New York sued Donald Trump for, for inflating the value of his properties so that he could borrow against them for more than they were worth. And then when it came time to paying his taxes, he would deflate the value he would lie about the value of the properties. The Messenger reports that Palm Beach County tax officials now say Trump confirmed with them back in 2020 that Mar-a-Lago is worth $26.6 million. 20s, he officially valued Mar-a-Lago. Do you see the fraud here? I mean, I've never seen anything like this. He, he confirmed with Palm Beach County tax officials that Mar-a-Lago is worth $26.6 million. Michael Corbusiero, who was working for Trump, he's a real estate broker, and he was representing Trump and Mar-a-Lago, he filled out a form to the Local Value Adjustment Board, quote, the petitioner agrees with the determination of the property appraiser or tax collector. So it was appraised for $26.6 million. Donald Trump said, yeah, that's what it's worth. 
That's what it's worth. And yet when trying to secure a loan, when he he accepted that it was worth $26.6 million when it comes to paying property taxes in Palm Beach, but when he's borrowing against Mar-a-Lago, he says it's worth half a billion dollars. Has there ever been a bigger con artist? I mean, maybe Bernie Madoff, maybe. This is fraud. This is fraud. And as I've been saying, this case that starts next week, the fraud case, Letitia James, state of New York, she seek, she started with $250 million. That's what she was hoping to fine Donald Trump. But she said after reviewing the books, the inflation, the way he inflated the books were staggering, like billions of dollars. He tacked on billions of dollars of non-existent wealth in order to secure loans that he has to pay back. It's not just about getting sued by the state of New York. He borrowed against Mar-a-Lago and Trump Tower, all his properties. He's got to pay these people back. And as I said on yesterday's show, he borrowed from the mob. And if he doesn't pay them back, he's stealing from the mob They don't take pennies on the dollar. They take fingers, knuckles, heads, especially these mobsters. And that is why the New York Post, page six of the New York Post, is reporting that Melania, his beloved wife, who will probably get evicted from Trump Tower, she's living in Trump Tower She's no longer going down to Mar-a-Lago. She's never at the Bedminster, New Jersey golf course. He's got to liquidate all these properties in New York, including Trump Tower. And she's not going to have a place to live. She's going to be out of Trump Tower. Uh, Anyway, page six, New York Post's page six, has uh, reports that Melania, his beloved wife, has begun negotiating her prenup with Donald. And this is constantly getting renegotiated. According to several books written about this marriage, Melania renegotiated the prenup right before she agreed to play the part of Donald Trump's wife in his 2016 run for president. And before announcing his run for 2024, Melania reportedly began renegotiating the prenup once again, and she's worried. She's worried there is no money left for her and Barron because of the legal fees and the settlements. And those are adding up. That's one reason she's renegotiating the prenup and maybe This is another reason. Stormy Horseface Daniels. Yes, Stormy Horseface Daniels. Yes. The other reason could be uh, where the body of Ivana Trump ended up. I always like to show you this. This is Donald Trump's first wife. 
in a pauper's grave on the back nine of the Bentminster, New Jersey golf course that he probably doesn't own either. I mean, look at this grave for the mother of his three worthless adult children, for her to live or d be dead. I think I see a toe sticking out. Uh, for, for That's how he treats the mother of those imbeciles. How does a so-called billionaire bury his wife, his first wife that way? So Melania wants a prenup because of the way Ivana ended up. And of course, because Stormy Horseface Daniels. Yes, of course, that too. Stormy Horseface Daniels. What a, I mean, we're going to miss him. We're going to miss him. The clock is ticking. The clock is ticking on him. Things uh, are getting worse for anybody who's uh, associated with uh, Donald Trump. The money is drying up, just like Melania on her wedding night with Donald. The thing is, it doesn't matter what kind of prenup she gets. Donald has no money. He's got to pay off the creditors and they're Russian mobsters. If he's lucky, they're Russian mobsters, which means Melania may have to see if her old boss is still hiring. And by old boss, I mean, I better not say it. Mm. Let me know what you think in the comments. <laughs> I want to be careful here. I'll mouth now. Okay. Uh, and by old boss, I mean blank. Let me know what you come up with in the comments. Uh, by the way, I love the comments and they, they are a form of torture because sometimes people write things that are so effing funny. I go, damn it. I wish I said that. It's too late. The point is you go, you get close, you get into bed with Donald Trump you go broke, you rack up legal fees and your damaged goods. And nobody knows that better than my pillow CEO, Mike Lindell, who is now warning he's broke. The, the man devoted his life to getting Donald Trump back into office. And what does he have to show for it? What everybody else who got into bed with Donald Trump has to show for it. Bankruptcy, Mike Lindell said on Thursday that his MyPillow company is on life support. Lindell is being sued for defamation by the... I wonder what percentage of our GDP are Trump lawsuits. I wonder what happens if everybody stops suing Donald Trump. We'd go into a recession. Lindell is being sued for defamation by the Dominion Voting Machine Company, Smartmatic is also suing him, and he's spent everything. And it's affecting business, right? People don't want to be associated with my pillow. He says American Express has reduced his line of credit from $1 million down to $100,000. Everybody's, this is, everybody with Trump is racking up debt. And Lindell said he can't keep the business going. You need credit to keep a business going, I guess. Lindell said retailers have stopped selling his merchandise. He says it's just a matter of time before his business collapses. Do you think, Mike Lindell, 
do you think maybe you bet on the wrong horse that maybe Donald Trump wasn't the best person to hit your wagon to? Kiss my ass. Okay, I like that about you. That was his deposition from uh, a separate, a separate Dominion defamation suit. There's the company that's suing him for defamation, and then there's one of their top scientists at Dominion who's also suing him for defamation. And this is what he said during his deposition to the lawyer asking him questions. Kiss my ass. So, you know, he's stable. Cryptocurrency entrepreneur Sam Bankman-Fried was told by the judge in his case that he's staying in prison. Now, Fried was locked up for violating a gag order when he tried to influence witnesses and leak information to the New York Times in order to tamper with the jury pool, allegedly. Now, if you look at what Donald Trump writes about the judges in all his trials, the lies he spreads about the prosecutors, the judges, calling them Marxists, fascists, Democrats, who are all conspiring against him, unleashing his jackals so they have to go into hiding, one would think there would be a gag order placed on Donald Trump, much like the one that was placed on Sam Bankman-Fried. And once he violated it, Sam Bankman-Fried has to be in jail during his trial. So Jack Smith, he's the special counsel, has filed a motion with the Washington, D.C. judge, Tanya Chutkin. He's asking her to issue a limited gag order. We're still waiting on that. Meanwhile, Trump is openly threatening witnesses while warning that his people will revolt if this trial doesn't stop. He is out of control. He is. He is out of control. And he's getting worse and worse. He's getting sicker and sicker. His universe is getting smaller and smaller. And everybody who isn't a sociopath is on to him or making sure they're getting millions and millions of dollars up front to put up with his nonsense as their attorney, as his attorney. He uh, he's going to get worse and worse. Uh, I made the mistake and I've apologized I, uh, I apologize for pounding my table all last year, demanding to know what Merrick Garland, our attorney general, was waiting for. And I was wrong for saying that. Uh, his timing has been precision crafted. Uh, it, it is they, they've just been lacerating him. Death by a thousand cuts each week. It just gets worse and worse. And things are going to get worse and worse for Donald Trump. If he doesn't snap by Thanksgiving, he deserves to be president. I mean, anyone who can survive all this has superhuman strength. Maybe he doesn't. <laughs> if he doesn't, can you, if I had one of his problems, I'd be in a loony bin. Uh I do believe, and I'm praying, and I hope you are, that something uh, interesting 
we'll use that word, is going to happen in Donald Trump's private life. No man, no man can endure what he's going through. Lawyers are going to start quitting. He will stumble big time in a way we've never really seen before. Uh, And by the end of this year, it won't be that difficult to slap a gag order on him. And uh, like a serious gag order. And uh, he'll violate it. And I think by January 1st of 2024, it won't be that difficult to put him in jail for violating a gag order. Now, there's a political calculus here. Uh, So I want you to think for a second. Imagine this scenario. What happens... If it looks like he's not going to get the Republican nomination, I know if you look at the polls, it's crazy talk. But think about how desperate he is. If he doesn't get the nomination or if it looks like he may not get the nomination, he's going to end up like Sam Bankman Freed in jail for violating a gag order while awaiting four separate criminal trials. I'm telling you, he's got to get this nomination. Because if he's just to think about this now, imagine Donald Trump as a private citizen next year. He's done for. And he knows that. And the reason he won in 2016 was... He didn't think he was going to win. He had a light touch. When you really want something, if you, I don't know, if you play sports, uh, if you really have to hit a home run, you can't do it. He has to hit a grand slam. He knows that. That's when you snap. When you know you can't fail and you need this and your life is depending on it and you are just putting pedal to the metal, that's when you crash. I hope, I pray, I pray that that this comes to fruition. His political calculus, looking at four criminal trials, and there's going to be a wire fraud case coming out of Jack Smith's office for all that fund raising he did for the Save America PAC, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars that he's raised and nobody knows what happened to it. That's wire fraud, allegedly. He's looking at unbelievable legal bills and prison. And the only thing that keeps him out of prison is being president of the United States. Uh, Meanwhile... Donald Trump has filed another lawsuit. Everybody gets sued. Everybody. Look under your chairs. There's a subpoena. Everybody gets a lawsuit. Donald Trump has filed a lawsuit against Christopher Steele. He's the former British spy who put together the dossier that served as one of the key pieces of evidence that the FBI used to launch Crossfire Hurricane. That was the 
2016 investigation into Trump's campaign colluding with the Russians. Now, the thing to remember about the Steele dossier is eventually it got moved into the Clinton campaign as oppo research. But initially, it was Ted Cruz's oppo research on Donald Trump. And then after Ted Cruz lost the nomination, the dossier was sitting around and the Clinton administration picked it up for oppo research. Now, for some reason, we've dropped the ball on Russiagate, I think too soon. The Steele dossier, many believe, has been completely discredited. But has it? Has it? The Durham report was supposed to discredit it. But the Durham report has been discredited. Uh, so pay attention to next week's lawsuit in New York State, the fraud trial, you know, where Donald, the judge in this case said Donald Trump inflated the value of Trump Tower by 2,500%. Now, how can you not link that to the Mueller report, to the Steele dossier, to the Russian oligarchs? He is borrowing let me calm down here for a second, because I get a little upset with people who uh, think Russiagate was a nothing burger. He borrowed against Trump Tower, and he, he had it appraised for 2,500, 2,500% higher than what it's worth. Who do you think is lending him this money? By the time he was looking for lenders... He had already gone through six bankruptcies. His, his credit was no good in the United States. He had Deutsche Bank, who were laundering money for Russian oligarchs and Lord knows who else. So he was not borrowing. When we say he was borrowing from Deutsche Bank, they were the front for the money laundering operation. He's in serious financial trouble and... I, it's going to be, if you pay attention to this, we're going to discover that Rachel Maddow was absolutely correct about Russiagate. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of money coming in, if you look at his tax returns, but it's all going in one door and out the other. So the Steele dossier, which was spectacular, Regulation was not it's not a government product. It was just oppo research that the FBI took, probably with a grain of salt. Uh, but they used it to get some FISA warrants, FISA warrants, FISA, FISA warrants. But I believe that this trial that starts next week into Trump's fraudulent bookkeeping, we're going to get a glimpse into just how up to his eyeballs, Donald Trump is in Russian debt or Ukrainian debt or, I, I don't know, some other country. Speaker Kevin McCarthy on Thursday got some movement on the Pentagon spending bill in the House. He was able to pass a procedural vote that strips $300 million in funding to Ukraine with only one Republican breaking ranks. 
President Biden is seeking, however, $24 billion in additional funding for Ukraine that he is hoping Congress will vote for. Meanwhile, a meeting of the Republican caucus in the House was reportedly filled with vitriol and bad language. Matt Gates, the congressman from Florida, and Kevin McCarthy screamed at one another. And at one point, Gates accused Kevin McCarthy of hiring a public relations firm to pay social media influencers to trash Matt Gates's reputation. I don't I don't think you need influencers to do that. I don't think his reputation could get any worse. Now, supposedly, Speaker McCarthy will be introducing a continuing resolution on to the floor of the House later today, and funding for Ukraine will be completely stripped out of it. But if the House refuses to approve a continuing resolution, then there's nothing that can be sent to the Senate, and whatever the House approves, the Senate is not going to approve of which means we're looking at a government shutdown at 12.01 a.m. Sunday morning. I'll talk more about this, obviously, tomorrow, and maybe we'll do a special episode, a government shutdown episode on Saturday. Goodbye, federal government. A Freedom Caucus uh, is what's, the Freedom Caucus is what's slowing this down and destroying the government. And I want to show you what we're up against and what McCarthy's up against. This is Congressman Chip Roy. And uh, he's from Texas. He's a big Freedom Caucus guy, loves his guns, hates his government. He's a lawyer. And he used to be Ted Cruz's chief of staff. He gave an interview with Texas Monthly this week. Let me read you an excerpt to give you an idea of what these people truly think. This is what he told the people of Texas. This is what's really on his mind. He said, why is everybody running around acting like their entire life comes from that shithole? Asked the Austin congressman, pointing a finger at the Capitol building. It drives me out of my freaking mind. He referred to the Temple of Democracy as a shithole. This is what they think of our government. So, you know, he voted to his credit. He did vote to certify the election for Joe Biden after January 6. So he does have some principles. Uh, I can't lop, I can't lop, lop him in with Andy Biggs or Kevin McCarthy, who voted not to certify it for, for Joe Biden. But this is the Republican Party. They hate our capital. He calls it a shithole. Okay. Uh, this is what he says. And this is pretty terrifying if you're Kevin McCarthy. What would he say? This is the... Uh, reporter writing in Texas Monthly, what would he say if Texas really did get hit with a natural disaster during the shutdown? So there's a continuing resolution that Schumer and McConnell think they can get passed and sent down to the House and it includes $6 billion for FEMA. We have 
you know, it's hurricane season. We have natural, not, they're not natural disasters. We have unnatural Exxon-related disasters, and FEMA is underfunded. And that was in the continuing resolution, $6 billion for FEMA uh, in the Senate CR, continuing, sorry about that, the, the continuing resolution that might come out of the Senate, which Republicans in the House are against. So he was asked, what would he say if Texas really did get hit with a natural disaster during the shutdown? Quote, deal with it. We're Texas. We're the biggest goddamn economy in the world. Everybody's running around going, oh, my God, what if some terrible thing happens? I don't know. Figure it out. Unquote. What if some terrible thing happens? I don't know. Figure it out. This is what a small government conservative believes. And we've seen how they figure it out. If you lived in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina, we saw how they figured it out. We saw how they figured COVID out, how the Republicans figured out COVID and kept it underfunded. I don't know. Figure it out. They just do not care. A friend of mine had dinner with John Kerry, who lost in 2004. And he ran against George W. Bush at the height of the Iraq war. And my friend asked him, what are they thinking? Like, why would he want to run for re-election, George W. Bush, when he so obviously blew it in Iraq? And Kerry said, they just don't care. They do not care. And I never forgot that. It's been since, I think I heard the story in 2005. And they just don't care. Everybody's running around going, oh my God, what if something terrible happens? I don't know. Figure it out, said the Texan. Remind you of anybody? Well, in the first week of August... Fitch, one of the world's most influential credit rating agencies, downgraded America's debt from triple A to double A. I think Stormy Daniels also did that. Now, so what is our debt? It's the uh, 30 some odd trillion we borrow to keep our government running, right? The eight trillion Dollars that Trump tacked on to the debt by giving rich people tax breaks. There was a story out that there that since the tax breaks, the hundred richest people in America are two trillion dollars wealthier today, thanks to Donald Trump's 2017 tax cuts, which tacked on eight trillion dollars to our debt. Something between a quarter and a third of our entire debt is thanks to Donald Trump's tax cuts for the rich. So when we deficit finance the government, we rack up debt north of, you know, what is it, $32 trillion? Uh, and that debt, what happens to it? I don't know. What happens? I looked into this. Turns out that debt 
gets turned into bonds that get traded around the world. You know those government bonds? Uh, if you're my age, when you were born, your, uh, your parents got uh, savings bonds, gifts for you. And those are government bonds that fund the nation's debt. Uh, that debt is turned into bonds, big bonds, uh, treasury bills that get traded around the world. And those bonds are considered the gold standard because there is no gold standard anymore. There is no way America could ever default on its debt. In fact, the 14th Amendment, I believe it's the 14th Amendment, makes it illegal for America to default on its debt. I think, you know, I got to go read the 14th Amendment. I think you can find things in the 14th. I think you can say to your spouse, you know, if you don't have sex with me on a Friday night, you're in direct violation of the 14th Amendment. I think we can, I think there's a lot of stuff in the 14th Amendment that we don't know about. So it is possible that these shutdowns are unconstitutional. Uh, I was reading, we didn't have them uh, until 30 years ago when, I'll talk about, uh, was it, I think there was an attorney general under Reagan, Civil, Civilette. I think he said, you ha I think it was a Reagan attorney general who said, if you don't get us a budget by October 1st, then you're legally obligated to shut the government down. And that just became official policy. There's, I don't think there's a law. I think it's just something that can't, I'm probably completely wrong on this. But the government didn't used to shut down. Uh, so anyway, uh, so when you have these shutdowns, uh, it threatens the value of our bonds and Fitch downgraded our debt. So it doesn't change what we owe, but it kind of does. What it does when, when we get downgraded is it makes uh, it harder for our debt to compete on the world market. And you end up, have, in order to sell more bonds, you have to offer higher interest rates to make them competitive. So it does cost us more money. When you buy a savings bond for your nephew, you are buying federal debt. And as of August, it's considered less safe than it was a year ago. And that means in order to entice you to buy future savings bonds, because it's not as safe, the government has to pay more interest, kind of, sort of. And whose fault is that? Well, it's the Republican Party's fault. This is from Fitch. Erosion of governance. In Fitch's view, there has been a steady deterioration in standards of governance over the last 20 years, including on fiscal and debt matters. Notwithstanding the June bipartisan agreement to suspend the debt limit until January of 2025. The repeated debt limit political standoffs and last-minute resolutions have eroded confidence in fiscal management. 
In addition, the government lacks a medium-term fiscal framework, unlike most peers. And when they talk about most peers, they're talking about other countries and their sovereign debt. These factors, along with several economic shocks as well as tax cuts and new spending initiatives, have contributed to successive debt increases over the last decade. Okay, this is a a major bond ratings agency blaming economic shocks like tax cuts uh, for why they've downgraded our debt. Okay, it's a little dry. Uh, Anyway, so Kevin McCarthy needs somebody to blame. And it can't be his party, so he's blaming Joe Biden. He wants a last-minute meeting with Joe Biden to help iron out the continuing resolution. Now, Schumer and McConnell offered him a continuing resolution that apparently is dead on arrival. No, McCarthy needs somebody else to blame. It's Joe Biden who's refusing to meet with Kevin McCarthy and Joe Biden, to his credit, said, this isn't my table. And I already met with you. I met with you in June. Do you remember this? The June debt ceiling deal? It was called the Fiscal Responsibility Act. Do you remember when we had to raise the debt ceiling? All, everything that's going on right now was litigated Back in June, when Joe Biden met with Kevin McCarthy and they struck a deal and they passed the Bipartisan Fiscal Responsibility Act. This was going to raise the debt ceiling and iron out the differences over the 2024 budget. McCarthy is a liar. This is why nobody in his party trusts him. He lied to Joe Biden and he made a deal that he's now reneging on. Let me remind you, and I know this stuff is very difficult to keep track of. That's why I'm doing this. June's debt ceiling deal, Fiscal Responsibility Act, okay? That was June. They made a deal and and it was passed to lift the debt ceiling until January of 2025. Why? Because there'll be a new president. They're kicking the can down the road and saying, let the next Congress, there'll be a new Congress, and either Joe Biden will be doing his second term, God willing, or whomever, and worry about the debt ceiling with the new Congress in January of 2025. They limited military spending to $886 billion. They limited non-military discretionary spending to $704 billion. There was a carve-out. They took $20 billion from the Inflation Reduction Act's injection of money into the IRS, and they agreed to take $20 billion out of that. I think the Inflation Reduction Act... Uh, gives about $80 billion to the IRS, and the Republicans don't want to pay taxes. That's why they were sent to Washington. They hate 
that the IRS can function. So the agreement was, okay, we'll give back $20 billion for IRS funding. And the shame, the shame that Biden agreed to, work requirements for supplemental nutrition assistance program and temporary assistance for needy families benefits. If you're over, if you're under the age of 55 and you're not a single mom, you have to, there's a work requirement now to eat. And they agreed to leave Medicaid, Social Security and Medicare untouched. They made that deal. That was a deal to lift the debt ceiling so they could get the 2024 budget passed by October 1st. And now Kevin McCarthy is saying, I, I want to meet in the Oval Office with Joe Biden so I can blame him for the shutdown. Well, AOC was asked about this and she said. McCarthy already got his meeting with Joe Biden and they struck a deal to keep government open months ago. GOP held the entire U.S. government hostage in exchange for cuts and Oh, yeah, I forgot. They refor they they uh, Biden was refor forced to restart student loan payments. He wanted to delay the COVID era uh, amnesty, not amnesty, but delay on paying back student loans. And part of the debt ceiling agreement was no. On October 1st of this year, people have to start paying back the student loans. So the Republicans got that out of Biden and they're still threatening a shutdown. And this is disgraceful because the the student debt has to be it's going to be horrible for our economy. OK, this is what Fitch says. Twenty seven million Americans have student loan debt and it's going to paying that debt back is going to take anywhere between $5.5 billion and $8.2 billion out of our economy. But the money that could be spent to keep this economy going, buying gas, food, rent, instead, people with student, the 27 million Americans who have debt, student loan debt, are going to have to give $5.5 billion or $8.2 billion per month to pay back their loans. Consumer spending, Fitch predicts, will drop by 3% in the second quarter of 2024. That could lead to a recession. And they're expecting student loan delinquencies to hit pre-COVID levels or higher. That's all, that was a giveaway that the Democrats gave to the Republicans to avoid exactly what's going on right now because Kevin McCarthy is an effing liar. And that's why... AOC said the deal is done. Biden held his end. Nothing to relitigate. McCarthy can go pound sand. What does go pound sand mean? He pretended not to know. So Kevin McCarthy doesn't have a continuing resolution and he's got to blame Biden. That's why he wants this meeting before Saturday. He wants a meeting at the White House. Again, Biden said, no, nah, I've already had a meeting. We met in June. Remember, 
the debt ceiling negotiations. We ironed out the 2024 budget. uh, And, you know, you were threatening to shut the government down in June and we had this deal. And now you're doing you're giving us the same brinkmanship again. uh, Not going to fall for it. This is on you, Kevin. This is on you, Kevin. Uh, So. The government. Now, well, I'm going to do a show tomorrow and I'll probably do one on Saturday. Right now, it looks like the government is going to shut down. Uh, Republicans cannot govern, uh, but they can try to impeach, but they can't even do that. They can't even impeach the Republican controlled House Oversight Committee chaired by James Comer, held a six-hour hearing on Thursday. Comer promised bombshell reports. There was going to be evidence, blood-curdling evidence, that would prove without a doubt, this is what he promised. Uh, We have evidence that the Biden crime family benefited off Joe's position as vice president. And uh, we'll go over this in a second. Uh, Late Thursday, it was a disaster. There's going to be no impeachment. Uh, Late Thursday, Comer is just trying to keep this thing going because the Republicans are failures. And there's going to be a government shutdown. They need to keep the impeachment going. And it's all lies. Uh, He announced that he's going to subpoena the bank records of Hunter Biden and brother Jimmy, Joe's brother, Jimmy Biden. Uh, But there's a problem. The Department of Justice, in order to protect Donald Trump during the first impeachment, the Department of Justice issued a ruling back during the first Trump impeachment around 2020, right? That the IRS, this was a, a Justice Department ruling, the IRS, the FBI, any other executive branch agency is not allowed to cooperate with an impeachment inquiry unless it's been authorized by a full vote in the House of Representatives. You got to get an authorization to investigate for an impeachment. So this current impeachment inquiry that we saw on Thursday has not been authorized by a full vote. It was authorized unilaterally by Kevin McCarthy. He did that. He doesn't he doesn't want to do this, but he did it in exchange for the Freedom Caucus promising not to shut down the government. A lot good that did him. Right. He gave them this impeachment inquiry and they're still shutting down the government. No matter what you give these people, it's not good enough. We know people like this. We've dated people like this. During the first Trump impeachment, Nancy Pelosi, speaker, Democrat, uh, she announced we're going to go forward with an impeachment inquiry over the perfect call to Ukraine. So Bill Barr, who was attorney general for Trump, he ordered the Justice Department's Office of Legal Counsel to write a memo saying nobody in the executive branch can assist Congress in the impeachment of Donald Trump unless the impeachment inquiry has been authorized through a full vote 
from Congress. Nancy Pelosi, they said, if, if Nancy Pelosi says there's going to be an impeachment inquiry, not good enough. We need it to be authorized by a full vote of Congress. So Nancy Pelosi went ahead and got a full vote to authorize the impeachment inquiry because you need, you know, you can't, you can't investigate Jimmy Biden and Hunter without the IRS cooperating, without the FBI cooperating and all these, you know, the Treasury Department, you, you, you need, and that's all part of the executive branch. And you need the Justice Department to enforce congressional subpoenas like Peter Navarro uh, was found guilty of contempt of Congress two weeks ago. He wouldn't testify before the January 6th committee. So they referred it to the Justice Department and it was up to Merrick Garland to decide whether or not to to prosecute him for contempt of Congress. So Congress, they have their own jail and they have a sergeant of arms, but they never use it. They rely on the Justice Department to investigate uh, people for an impeachment and they rely on the Justice Department, the FBI, to enforce their subpoenas. Uh, without that cooperation, they really can't investigate. Again, that is a Trump-era Justice Department policy to save Trump. You need a full authorization from the House of Representatives for an impeachment inquiry or no cooperation from the FBI, the Justice Department, the Treasury Department, the IRS. And Merrick Garland has been busy. He has not had time to rescind that Trump-era memo from the <laughs> Office of Legal Counsel, which means uh, Comers can issue subpoenas. He can ask for Hunter Biden and Jimmy Biden's bank records, but good luck trying to enforce it. Uh, and McCarthy can't get a full vote on impeachment. He cannot go back to, to Congress. He never had a full vote on impeachment from his Republicans. They weren't, it was the Freedom Caucus that wanted the impeachment. Uh, most uh, Republican members of the House are worried about losing it. In 2024, a lot of them are in districts uh, that Joe Biden won. These are purple districts. They're, they do not want they they do not want the government shut down, and they do not want an impeachment. So uh, Thursday's hearings were a complete disaster for the Republicans, which means it was business as usual. Here is Fox News' Neil Cavuto. He's a right-wing prick. Uh, here is uh, Neil Cavuto from Fox News just as Comers pounds the gavel to announce the end of the hearings. This is, they were, they were running it live for six hours on Fox News, right? Because it's going to impeach Joe Biden. Here is Neil Cavuto <laughs> after six hours of watching this all right. Uh, for the better part of six hours, uh, I have been following these hearings, save an hour off to do my Fox Business show earlier today. 
Uh, I don't know what was achieved over these last six plus hours. He was pissed. They were hoping, you know, they were promised, right? The impeachment committee's star witness was law professor Jonathan Turley, who teaches how to sound smart on Fox News. Republicans brought Jonathan Turley in. He's the big smoking gun who was going to give his blessing to go all in on Joe Biden. And here, you know, we were waiting the testimony from Professor Jonathan Turley to to give his blessing for an impeachment. And this is what Professor Jonathan Turley told the committee on live television. In fact, I do not believe that the current evidence would support articles of impeachment. Uh, But hang on, Professor Jonathan Turley. Biden lies. Can't we impeach him because he's a liar? Professor Turley, he lies. I mean, he he said he taught political science at the University of Pennsylvania. He kind of sort of didn't do that. That was kind of a lie. And then he said he was at ground zero the day after 9-11. But it turns out that he was at ground zero like 10 days after 9-11. He's a liar, Professor Jonathan Turley. Surely you, a denizen of Fox News, has to believe these big lies are grounds for impeachment. While it may not sit well with many, President Biden and other presidents can be dishonest, can even lie to the American people, and that would not constitute an impeachable offense. Indeed, most presidents have lied to the American people. That's why I've not liked any president since James Madison. And the only reason he likes James Madison is uh, Madison never freed his slaves. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it uh, yeah, so much for the star witness. That was, they kicked it off, you know, your first Five minutes is the most important. And they went with Jonathan Turley, uh, who said, "Eh, there's nothing there. Here is Steve Bannon, who had this to say on his show. That's maybe not a witness I call initially to lay out the case. Maybe my staff should have gone through and asked questions like that in making sure in the traditional preparation of the witnesses. And if that was the professor's thought and that's what he believes, maybe we sit around a conference table and say, hey, when we have on the whiteboard that professor's name, why don't we put him on the maybe category? Why don't we, maybe we bring him in in a couple weeks. Maybe we don't start with him. The crack up. It's just a complete crack up. So Neil Cavuto came to his senses and was thinking out loud, and he said this. When you begin to trumpet what you have as the beginning of an explosive inquiry into the President of the United States to potentially remove him from office, you would think you would bring your A game. Yeah. Uh, Well, Congressman, and I'm going to try to pronounce this properly, Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy, is a Democrat from Illinois. Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy is a Democrat from Illinois. 
I pronounced his name properly. Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy is a Democrat from Illinois, and he doesn't want... (laughs) He doesn't want Joe Biden to be impeached. He's a loyal Democrat. And after Professor Turley shocked everybody by rattling uh, off a list of reasons Joe Biden should not be impeached after Professor Jonathan Turley flipped uh, and said there's no reason to be doing this. Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy of Illinois thanked Professor Jonathan Turley for siding with the Democrats. He thanked Professor Turley by lobbying this softball question. Professor Turley, in 2006, you wrote an op-ed in The Guardian entitled, quote, Stop Persecuting Polygamists. There, you liken polygamists to, quote, persecuted minorities, and you said polygamy is, quote, a practice with deep and good faith religious meaning. Isn't that what you said? Mm, very, you see, a nice, kind question, gentle, bipartisan, and Professor Jonathan Turley answered. I represented the sister wives, uh, a family in challenging a, a polygamy prosecution. The answer is yes. See, this is how you get along with the other party. Jonathan Turley scratches your back and you stab his. Uh, please continue. <laughs> Congressman Raja Krashnamurthy, Democrat from Illinois. You've been crusading for legalizing polygamy for years. In fact, in an op-ed... In the USA Today, you said that a Utah polygamist named Tom Green, who was also convicted of pedophilia for raping his 13-year-old stepdaughter, should not have been charged with polygamy. Now, Mr. Chairman, can we're I counting... Because that's not, can I respond? Because that's not entirely accurate. I actually criticized him. What I was dealing with was the constitutionality of what is called morals legislation. And I admit I'm pretty libertarian. Was Tom Green convicted of... Pedophilia and rape? Government can Was he convicted of pedophilia and rape? The answer is yes. Mr. Chairman, Mr. Chairman, we're counting down the hours until a government shutdown, and here we have a hearing where one, we have one witness who defended a polygamist who was convicted of pedophilia and rape. Yeah, but, 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 but he just said there's no grounds for impeachment. But uh, thanks for roughing him up anyway. Uh, he deserves it. But maybe that, you know, after you, after the witness, he became your witness. He flipped. Well, what is an embarrassing Republican car crash without Marjorie Taylor Greene? And she's sitting on this committee, the oversight committee. Here she is about to introduce some embarrassing Hunter Biden nudies once again. She did this, I think, two weeks ago. She brought some Hunter Biden nudies, uh, dick pics, and introduced them as evidence. And here she is once again trying to introduce some more Hunter Biden dick pics into uh, the record uh, because uh, she's trying to get Joe Biden impeached. And we can't have a president who has a son 
here's this is what happened. While allowing Hunter Biden to exploit women, this is a shame. But let's talk about Mr. Chairman. There's a, a parliamentary further. challenge before us. The point Mr. of order. Chairman, point of order. Who's the point? And we'll stop the clock for you, Ms. Green. Mr. Chairman, um, the, our colleague from Georgia has uh, introduced before pornographic exhibits and displayed things that are really not suitable for uh, children who might be watching. And uh, bathing uh, suits not suitable, Mr. Raskin. Well, well, I'm saying I would like the witness to I would like the member to be instructed to not introduce any pornography today, at least without running it. A bathing the suit is not pornography. Well, Mr. we can't Raskin. see it from down there. So you didn't make it available to the minority before you started it before. It's, okay. it's on, an, on the Internet. It's everywhere. You and you are submitting a naked woman's body. This is a bathing suit. This is a bathing suit. And it has not been clear before this, this committee. Uh, Glasses on. Do you wear okay. them or not? I have contacts in. Thank you. Oh, congratulations. You know what? Maybe a government shutdown wouldn't be the worst idea. That was AOC. Uh, We now know that AOC wears contact lenses. And Marjorie Taylor Greene said congratulations for wearing. uh, I know Marjorie Taylor Greene. Like, I don't know her, but I know her. I know that voice. I know that behavior. Uh, Well, anyone who says the Democrats are spineless doesn't watch C-SPAN. I mean, if you watch these hearings, when you want to know how deep the Democratic bench is, watch C-SPAN. There's some great members of Congress, really great members of Congress. This is, just to set this up properly, this is the... uh, uh, Mar-a-Lago bathroom where President Trump kept his classified material. Remember this? Okay. And this is Congresswoman Jasmine Crockett of Texas. So the volume is a little low here. You might want to get closer to your speakers to hear her. Uh, She thinks the Hunter Biden impeachment. Is it the Hunter Biden impeachment? No, it's the Joe Biden impeachment. She thinks the Joe Biden impeachment is a distraction to take our eyes off the real crimes committed by Donald Trump. Like, for example, leaving classified documents in a -a Mar-a-Lago bathroom. But I'm pretty sure she didn't use the term bathroom. This is Congress, you know, and she used some arcane parliamentarian Latin word from ancient Rome for bath. Well, listen to what she said. It's kind of interesting. But when we start talking about things that look like evidence, they want to act like they blind. They don't know what this is. These are our national secrets. Looks like in the shitter to me. Right. It's a little low. Let me play it again just so you didn't miss it. By the way, she's great. But when we start talking about things that look like evidence... They want to act like they blind. They don't know what this is. These are our national secrets. Looks like in the shitter to me. This, uh, and you should donate to Jasmine Crockett, Democrat from Texas. Congresswoman Summer Lee, who I love, is from Pennsylvania. She's a first-year congresswoman. She was elected, even though APAC and the oil industry tried to stop her. Donate 
to Summer Lee. We love Summer Lee. And, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and we love Jasmine Crockett. Here is Congresswoman Summer Lee. Uh, she's on the House Oversight Committee. Uh, here's why you should donate to her reelection campaign. The Republicans on this committee are attempting to divert and distract the American people's attention by spending taxpayer dollars on this sham impeachment hearing two days before they shut the government down in hopes that the media, and I don't just mean Fox News, will fall for their scheme and give more airtime to the lies being told on this committee today than the real life impact their shutdown will have on even their own constituents' lives. In fact, in Chairman Comer's district, Republicans shut down will cost 8,937 of his constituents their paychecks. In Jim Jordan's district, Republicans shut down will cost 3,939 of his constituents their paychecks. In Marjorie Taylor Greene's district, Republicans shut down will cost 6,306 of her constituents their paychecks. And Lauren Boebert's district, Republicans shut down. Democrats are the party of shutdowns. You guys love shutdowns. Very much. And uh, Lauren Boebert's district, Republicans. What happened? Her constituents. And Paul Gossar's Arizona district, Republicans shut down will cost 12,349 of his constituents their paycheck. And Byron Donald's 3,235 folks paycheck. And Andy Biggs, 8,433. Uh, and Lisa McLean, 7,286. And Scott Perry's Pennsylvania district and the capital of my commonwealth, Republicans shut down will cost 5,445 of his constituents. That is Summer Lee. Pretty good. Uh, I wish I could play more. This is Robert Garcia. He's a Democrat from California, and he echoed the sentiment that a lot of us feel that Republicans focusing on Hunter Biden is a distraction from the real criminal Jared Kushner and his wife. And what I want to know is why we're not actually investigating real family corruption. They want to attack President Biden's family, who actually never worked in the White House, which is incredibly hypocritical. Yet we have, we have yet to talk about these guys that actually worked in the White House. And in fact, I want to talk about Jared Kushner, who's right over here. We know that Jared Kushner, who's Donald Trump's son-in-law, was given enormous power in the White House. When Jared joined the White House, he was so unfit and unqualified and with so many conflicts of interest, he couldn't even get a security clearance. His father-in-law, Donald Trump, had to intervene overriding national security officials. We also know that just months after Jared left the White House, the Saudi royal family gave him $2 billion with a B into the Kushner hedge fund. And right now, Jared is pocketing an additional $25 million a year in fees. This is a man who was put at the head of Middle East policy in the White House. We know he personally intervened to give the Saudis a $110 billion arms deal that was opposed by, folk, by actually folks all across the government. He supported the Saudis with their brutal war in Yemen, even after they murdered Jamal Khashoggi, a journalist, of course, who was an American resident. The Saudi crown prince bragged to other heads of state that Kushner, and I quote, was in his pocket. Even Trump's first secretary of state complained that this is inappropriate. Now, Jared delivered for the Saudis over and over again, and he was rewarded. Even advisors to the crown prince 
advised against the $2 billion hedge fund investment, yet he went forward anyways. So we know that Jared Kushner, a senior White House aide and Donald Trump's son-in-law, was doing favors for a foreign government. Now, this is actually an enormous family scandal that this committee should be investigating. And I think Chris Christie put it well when he said that the grift from this family, the Trump crime family, in my opinion, is breathtaking. Well, walking up one step is breathtaking for Chris Christie, which I would have told that joke uh, 10 years ago, but now it's inappropriate. So I'm not going to make a joke like that because it's wrong. I was giving an example of the kind of thing you can no longer say. That is Robert Garcia. He's a Democrat from California. Greg Kasar, and I'm probably butchering his name, and I apologize. He's a progressive Democrat from Texas, and he tried to find a middle ground during the impeachment hearings on Thursday. He decided to poll the entire oversight committee. He asked them to commit. Can we can we all agree that should both or either Hunter Biden and Donald Trump get convicted? Can we all agree that if convicted, they should go to prison. Well, members of the Oversight Committee, please raise your hand if you believe both Hunter and Trump should be held accountable for any of the indictments against them if convicted by a jury of their peers. We can take a minute. No, it's, it's serious. This is a serious matter. If you all need to think about it, we can take a moment and think about it. It is serious. This is very serious. Think well, the, about it. Should both Hunter and well, Trump the yield be question. held accountable? I want to see whether you'd raise your hands. Should Hunter and Trump both be held accountable if they are found guilty on any of their indictments? Raise your hand if you think that equal justice under the law applies and Trump should be held accountable. I think it is worse than embarrassing that Republicans won't raise their hands. They refuse to say that equal justice under the law should apply to everyone. And when you step back and think about then it, what about it's the kind January 6th defendant? It's Chairman, kind of scary. Of okay. This double standard insults the institutions of Congress that people fought and died to build. This impeachment hearing clearly is not about justice. We cannot say equal justice under the law for everyone except for the guy who holds the leash. That was Marjorie Taylor Greene. Just what about the January 6th defendants? Yeah, what about them? What about them? Well, you know what? These impeachment hearings were a complete bust. It showed the Republicans uh, to be terrified of the Trump mob family. You, you, the fact that they wouldn't raise their hands and, and say, yes, we believe in equal justice under the law, terrified of betraying Donald Trump. Th that's what it showed the Republicans to be, just cowards, spineless cowards who talk tough, but cower. It showed them to be stupid, lazy, ill-informed, vulgar, and dangerous. So I loved watching it, but something was missing. I kept thinking, what, what, what? There's, there's some spice here that I can't taste, that, I, that I'm craving. Yes, it's repulsive, it's disgusting and horrifying, but something is missing. My palate is craving something more, and I couldn't put my finger on it, 
And then ranking member of the House Oversight Committee, Jamie Raskin, reminded me. Pursuant to Clause 2K6 of Rule 11, I move that the committee subpoena Rudy Giuliani. (laughs) Yes, we need Rudy Giuliani to testify. Then it's officially a shit show. Right, Rudy? I drink scotch. Yes, you do. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. I like scotch. Thank you for listening to the show. Uh, Please uh, like it. The best way to uh, make sure I end up in your feed is, is to like this. Please subscribe to my channel, please. Please uh, share this if, 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 you in, if you enjoyed this or if you're just waking up. Please, uh, if you want to thank me for putting you to sleep, uh, the best way to thank me for a good night's sleep is uh, by sharing this with your other friends who suffer from insomnia. Say, hey, have you heard of the David Feldman show? It's a magnificent soporific. It's better than melatonin. Uh, if you really want to thank me, uh, share this with your friends uh, through social media, through email, or however you do that. The only reason, I always say this, the only reason you're listening to me right now is because somebody shared it. And as I pointed out yesterday, a couple of you have said to me, no, I found you through the algorithm. Well, the only reason the algorithm gets it to you is because you you shared this that is it's the 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 best way to help me is to share this uh with your friends or however you share things 